You're listening to the Touchdown Under podcast with Emilian and Jack, bringing you NFL news and insight from Down Under. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Touchdown Under podcast. This is episode 15 as we preview week 8 of the 2021 NFL season. I'm Jack, your host, and as always, I'm joined in person once again by Emilian. Hey, Jack, hey, everyone. How's it going? We are finally back face-to-face with this podcast. It's going to get even better from here. It is great to finally be back in one place together as we continue uh, the NFL season. And it was another big week, Emilian, was week seven. A number of headlines um, made news in the league, starting off with the Titans, who destroyed the Chiefs whilst the Colts built momentum as the battle for the AFC South title continues. The Colts obviously took care of the 49ers in San Francisco, Emilian. Yeah, um, interesting with these two teams, it's obvious that they're going to battle it out for the division. The Texans and Jags are out of the running. They're both bad teams. Both these teams, though, the Titans and Colts, they started off the season pretty weak with the Titans losing to the Cardinals at home and then the Colts obviously getting to that 0-3 start. Both these teams seem to be finding their rhythm right now. The Titans are obviously taking care of the better teams in the Bills and Chiefs the past two weeks, but the Colts are definitely doing their part, as we just saw against the 49ers. So it'll be interesting. They face each other this week. That is going to be one of the most important games of their respective seasons. That is right. The Colts do host the Titans in Indianapolis this week, with the Titans at 5-2 and two and the Colts at 3-4. and four. So it's a really great opportunity for the Colts to make some ground in um, that race for that title there. The Bengals crushed the Ravens in Baltimore to take first place in the AFC North. It was a huge division win for the Bengals and it was really kind of an announcement to the rest of the league that they are for real. Yeah, it's it was very shocking. Like I expected this game to be sort of close, but I definitely saw the Ravens winning, as did you, Jack. But this was a really great win for Bengals. And something people are overlooking is that they are in fact 2-0 in division games on the road right now. So they've only had two division games against the Steelers and Ravens, they beat both of them on the road. So now they can't lose that head-to-head series and they have a massive advantage in their next game since they'll be at home. So really great for the Bengals. They're 5-2. They're one of the best teams in the AFC at the moment, it would seem. Um, But obviously, let's not overreact to this Ravens loss. I think they'll come back strong next week and as the season continues. Yeah, I thought the um, Ravens were kind of due for a loss. They've been playing lights out for the best part of the last month. And... um, You know, ever since that week one loss, you know, the Ravens have just been one of the best teams in the NFL, and I think that they were due for a loss, and the Bengals, you know, had a lot of momentum going into this game, and, you know, they just kept building on that. Um, The Bengals have a pretty favorable schedule coming up. Um, They face the Jets and Steelers um, in the next month. They do face the Browns, and it's going to be another huge game in that division, um, as well as the Raiders and 49ers, but they do have the Chargers as well coming up, so... Some games, some winnable games there for sure for the Bengals. In other news, the Rams came from behind to beat the Lions in the Matt Stafford revenge game. It wasn't so straightforward for the Rams the whole way through, really, and they were down 10-0 early on, but as we thought, the Rams came back and got the job done, which is all they needed to do. Yeah, absolutely. If you're facing the Rams, you're facing Sean McVay, the way you're going to win is you have to keep scoring points. The Lions did not do that. I think they got a little bit too comfortable with a 10-point lead. And they let Stafford do his thing and just come back into the game. Credit to Sean McVay again. The Rams are looking dangerous. However, it was just the Lions. It was a nine-point nine game, I believe, in the end. 
Um, definitely a winnable game for the Lions, and it's very, you know, it's sorry, sort of story of their life that they can't really finish off games that they can win. That's right, and the Rams are sitting pretty at 6-1. and one. Meanwhile, the Panthers, who lost 25-3 to to the New York Giants, continue to struggle without Christian McCaffrey. Sam Darnold, who has had to be on the run a fair bit um, this so far this season, has been pretty poor, I think, with the ball in his hands. Um, they do have a strong defense, do the Panthers, but, um, you know, the offense has not been able to stay on the field and do things. Yeah, uh, I don't blame Sam Darnold for the offensive struggles. I think that he's definitely still trying to find his footing in a new system with new players. Um, the receivers aren't exactly playing amazing either. We saw against the game against the Vikings, they were dropping a lot of their passes that Sam Darnold hit right on the money. Um, obviously, it's not being helped by his terrible offensive line, as you said, Jack. So a lot of problems on that Panthers offense, and that Panthers defense is not going to be enough to keep them, you know, winning games. They need McCaffrey back and need to get that offense going into a moment, into a good groove. That's right. They really do need to start kickstarting their season if they are to um, challenge for the playoffs. They do have the Falcons coming up in Atlanta, and that is definitely not a that is definitely not a um, you know for sure game either considering the um, low-key okay form by the Falcons in recent times. They've also got the Patriots and Washington coming up as well as the Cardinals, so it's going to be tough for them. I do think, um, I, I think these past, this past stretch of poor uh, performances has kind of really, you know, put a dent in their season after a really promising start. Um, even after the trade for, the trades for Sedja Henderson and Stephon Gilmore, they aren't looking very good right now. And finally, the Raiders continue their offensive prowess and move to first in the AFC West after beating the Eagles 33-22. Namelian, I know after the firing, oh sorry, the um, exit of John Gruden, and technically was a firing, but after the exit of John Gruden, we did think the uh, Raiders might be on the way uh, down, especially after that home loss to the Bears. But they turned things around with um, very convincing wins against the Broncos and this week the Eagles. And um, I think deservedly, they do sit in first place in the division. Yeah, I think it's a really good testament to how great of a leader Derek Carr is. As the quarterback, it's sort of your responsibility to keep the team together if your head coach isn't really working out or, in this case, got fired, quote-unquote. But, um, yeah, the, the Raiders look to be clicking right now on both sides of the ball. They had a great performance by Yannick Ngakwe. That really helped them on defense. But Derek Carr, he's been playing really well this season. And as long as, you know, the team sort of binds together and sort of pressure is taken off car, both physical and mental. I think this team can go places. They're heading to the bye week now. Then they've got the Giants on the road week after. I can definitely see them winning that game. Um, they've got a very favorable schedule. And then they've got that big Monday, uh, Sunday football game against the Chiefs after that. That's going to be a very good test of where they're at. Yeah, Derek Carr has been quite impressive over this past fortnight. And I think so as a defense. You look at guys like Max Crosby, who not this week, but last week had a huge game. And this week was Yannick Ngarko, two sacks. I think the defense, and especially the pass rushing aspect of the defense, has been a huge question mark since the departure of Kilwell Mack for the Raiders. And so, with Ngakwe and Max Crosby finally doing bits for the Raiders, it is you know taking a massive load off Derek Carr's offense, which you know is still doing their thing as well. So, it, we've seen really balanced performances from both sides of the ball from the Las Vegas Raiders. On to our new segment now, and um, for once we didn't see a whole lot of serious injuries, which is really good to see a million, but. Um, I think the most, you know, um, important of the injuries this week was Jets quarterback Zach Wilson, who left Sunday's game against the Patriots after suffering a PCL injury. He's expected to miss between two and four weeks. It's obviously a blow for the Jets in terms of evaluating Wilson further, but um, I think, you know, 
I think we've got a fairly good sense of what we're going to get from Zach Wilson this season. Um, you know, he's had to be on the run a lot. Um, he's, he's been good and bad with the ball. He's started to kind of improve um, through the air these last couple of weeks. So it's kind of, you know, shame to see his uh, momentum kind of stunted by his injury. Yeah, absolutely. I just think that the Jets just have, it's sort of like a place to die for rookie quarterbacks. You saw it with Sam Donald and he was injured in his rookie season. He's injured the season after. They really need to get an offensive line there to help him out. Doesn't help that Mikai Becton was injured early on in the season, um, but Zach Wilson does have a lot of potential and is just being wasted if he's just a sitting duck behind that offensive line. I'm sure you know Jack with Justin Fields how he's performing without a good offensive line. Um, it's just such a hard position for a rookie to be in, and Zach Wilson obviously the Jets weren't really going to go anywhere this season with how he's performed and how the team has performed performed as a whole. But this can definitely be a big obstacle in his growth as a rookie quarterback. I think, obviously, the Jets' offensive line is obviously really um, young as well. Obviously, you talk about Mekhi Becton, who isn't even there. And there's also uh, um, uh, rookie Elijah Barry Tucker, who's there as well. So I think the offensive line will get better with Wilson as time progresses. You'd hope that they can be able to maintain the same group of guys from the offensive line and kind of progress them, rather than, you know, keep, you know, changing these guys, the, the starters on the O-line year after year. There's no continuity. It doesn't help the quarterback. We saw it with Sam Dunn, as you said. Hopefully we see a different outcome with Wilson, but we do await his return to the field after his latest injury. Chiefs MVP quarterback Patrick Mahomes exited Kansas City's game against the Titans late in the second half with a concussion concern. However, he was able to avoid the concussion protocol and looks set to take the field against the Giants on Monday night. Immediately, we'll get into the Chiefs a bit later on in our power rankings, but um, we've seen their you know, severe struggles over this last month, and um, especially Mahomes, who has already thrown more picks um, you know, through seven weeks and he you know, did the entirety of last season. So his decision-making has been, hasn't been been as good as we've come to know. And um, it, while it looks like he will be able to play against the Giants on Monday Night Football, um, the Chiefs certainly aren't in great shape overall. Yeah, Mahomes has definitely been very inconsistent this year. And you described the way he looked after his little scare as looking like a zombie. Um, I think that's the way his brain's been working so far this season. His decision-making has been really awful. And it just looks like he's trying to make highlight plays. He's trying to force, you know, being like, you know, making a highlight play and saying, getting everyone's media attention on him. Unfortunately, the media's attention is on his family. That's a whole other issue that is quite an embarrassment. And I feel bad for him in that regard. But he really needs to step it up. And obviously, his receivers aren't helping. They're dropping a lot of his passes. But turnovers are definitely um, fatal for the Chiefs right now. And they need to turn around really quick because they've got some good competition in their division. Yeah, it, it would be a real shame if, you know, it turned out that a lot of the off-field stuff was actually getting to Mahomes. Um, even in the last few seasons, it's kind of been the same, except, you know, he's still been performing lights out. Um, but I think the most disappointing aspect for the Chiefs so far this season has been the defense. And even after, you know, countless bad performances, we haven't really seen much of an improvement despite these, you know, um, you know, like, they've just been run over each and every week. Um, even Derek, Derek, Derek Henry didn't have a huge game this week, you know, we saw um, a standard performance from AJ Brown through the air. Tanya was good. So, like, the Chiefs can't really stop anything, whether it's on the ground or through the air. And I think that's been the most disappointing aspect. But um, we will get into them now um, in our power rankings. If you want to see our full power rankings, make sure you head to our Instagram at touch.down.under. We're going to highlight a couple of teams who have been big movers this week. And we're going to start at number 27 the Denver Broncos, who are down four spots. Now, Emilia, last week we discussed the Detroit Lions and their poor decision um, on passing on a quarterback to Justin Fields and instead going with an offensive lineman. 
In the case of the Broncos, they look to add um, another defensive piece to their unit in Patrick Sertan instead of going for a quarterback to just, uh, such as Fields. And um, I think it's a similar situation in that, you know, in both situations, a really poor choice is made and already we're seeing the poor effects. And I don't know about you, million, but um, I honestly believe the Broncos are wasting another prime defense. You know, guys like Justin Simmons, Bradley Chubb, their prime is going to come and go. Um, and I honestly think that if the Broncos don't have an actual promising franchise quarterback there, then their careers will be wasted in Denver. I, th- I think you're over-exaggerating a little. Justin Simmons and Bradley Chubb are still very young. They were drafted not too long ago, so they still have a lot of time in their careers. And they're, they're not even in their prime yet. Patrick Sertan, I do think it was a decent move. I was very shocked on draft day when they didn't pick Justin Fields. However, with the whole trade rumors going around with the Dolphins and Deshaun Watson, if Deshaun Watson is taken um, to Miami, where does that leave Tua? Tua will have to go to a new team. And I think the Broncos could very well make a trade for him. And that could be sort of their new, like, quote-unquote, rookie quarterback. We haven't really seen much of Tua. Um, and I think in the right system, he'd be given time to develop. I do think, however, Vic Fangio is definitely not a great head coach. I think that's also a problem the Broncos are facing, and they will need to sort of deal with that. But overall, there's a lot of talent on the team, and it's obvious that a quarterback is definitely what they're missing. But they're, they're not quite, they're not a quarterback away from being, you know, playoff contenders right now. They, they do have a lot of things to work on. So what else do you think they could work on then? Because I do think that if they had a solid quarterback um, that, that could run the offense the way that it needs to be run, that they would be in a position to challenge the playoffs. Right now, I think their linebacking core is pretty weak. Um, I definitely think that they could improve on it. And Von Miller's about to retire soon. I think he's going to retire in the next three years. It's pretty obvious. And he doesn't really bring that sort of level of intensity he used to. So their pass rush is still going to be suspect, suspect with only Bradley Chubb. So I think that their defense still has a few kings to work out. But their offense as a whole, their running game isn't that good. When you look at it, Javante Williams and... Um, Melvin Gordon, they're, they're decent, but Melvin Gordon's past his prime, and Javante Williams obviously still has a lot to work on, but he's a rookie, so it's still a young core. But I don't think, say, say they did draft Justin Fields, do you think they'd be a playoff contender right now? Not this year, just because, you know, there isn't a lot of history with rookie quarterbacks having more success in terms of, um, you know, playoffs in their very first season, but I do think down the track, it, it was the right move to make. Instead of adding another piece to their defense, which I don't think was completely necessary, they did recently trade for the Vikings um, outside linebacker, Stephen Weatherly, which I thought was an okay move. Um, I do agree with the fact that Von Miller is you know, nearing the end. I do think he could have won more than once the bowl with better quarterback play. We saw a huge drop off after Peyton Manning. They still haven't found a replacement for him. You, know, you look at guys like Brock Osweiler, um, uh, Case Keenum, Case Keenum, um, and also Trevor Simeon. Um, there are a lot of names who had no success at the quarterback position for the Broncos. And I just feel like a guy like Fields would have been, you know, he's got, I think he has better prospects than a lot of those, than a lot of those guys did when they came into the league. Um, and I just feel like a, a really good quarterback is what they need to, you know, go back and challenge the Super Bowl once again. I do like the idea of them potentially trading for someone like Aaron Rodgers after this season. Um, like you said, Tua maybe. I feel like he's more likely to go to the Texans in a trade for Sean Watson, but that's a whole different story. Either way, I just don't feel like the Broncos are ever really going to contend with these bridge quarterbacks such as Bridgewater or Drew Locke, as we've seen. Um, a lot of average quarterbacks, and I just don't think they can challenge until they do sort that issue. At 14, we talked before about the Chiefs. They are here at 14, down four spots. 
We talked about their defensive issues. Now, we know that even in their Super Bowl winning year, they did have a pretty suspect defense and it was most of the offense. So I feel like despite how bad the defense has been, I do think that Andy Reid's offense has been sort has been um, you know, been kind of Figured worked out, out yeah. to an extent. Um, I, I do feel like with Mahomes at quarterback, they can get over that. But I do feel like as as of right now, a lot of defeat defenses have been able to kind of you know force Mahomes to make these you know irrational decisions and you know these ill-advised throws. Yeah, absolutely. I think the key to them, you know, figuring out the Chiefs' offense is just stopping Tyreek Hill. Just prevent him from going deep. And there you go. You've already taken away Mahomes' favorite target. Travis Kelsey's a bit harder to defend. But I think that just more and more film is gathered. And it's just easier for defensive coordinators and head coaches to make up a game plan suited for the Chiefs' offense. And you know it's a bad sign when the Titans' defense holds you to three points. I think that with a, a, a Chiefs' offense with such power and such talent should be able to put up a touchdown against the Titans defense, which has been very suspect this year. Um, yeah, absolutely. A lot of problems in Kansas City. At this point, they may not even make the playoffs. Obviously, I trust Andy Reid and Mahomes to figure it out. But when you look at the competition in the AFC, you have got some great teams. Obviously, the Bills are going are to win the AFC East. Then in the AFC North, the Browns, Bengals, and Ravens are all playing extremely well. They've all got really good records. They, they could, all three of them, very well make the playoffs. And then the AFC South, you've got the Colts and Titans battling it out for the division title. And then the AFC West, you've got the Chargers and Raiders both on top of the Chiefs right now. It's just a very competitive conference overall. The Chiefs will need to start winning these AFC matchups in order to make playoffs. And if they don't, it could be Mahomes' first time missing the playoffs. I completely agree. I feel like we, I think if the Chiefs make the playoffs, we will end up seeing three teams from the AFC West make the playoffs. Obviously, um, you know, whether it's the Raiders or Chargers or Chiefs who win the division, I don't think, you know, the Raiders and Chargers, maybe not locks yet but i do think they're in a good spot to at least make a wild card spot and um you know and then there's going to be a challenge with you know the ravens and browns um i, I don't think we see two teams at the afc south or the afc east i think it's all going to come down to the afc west and north and so yeah those conference games are going to be hugely important for the chiefs but i think also the other issue is with the offense we need to see more out of these lesser-known offensive players on the Chiefs. Obviously, we know about Hill and Kelsey, but once their effects on the games are limited, we need to see more out of these other guys like Demarcus Robinson, Michael Hardman's in his second year now. We're going to see a jump there. Byron Pringle, Josh Gordon's come in. You know, we'd like to see, you know, a lot of impact from him as well um, to, you know, help out guys like Hill when they're being, you know, double teams on those post routes. So, um, I think we're going to see more out of these lesser-known Chiefs, you know, and obviously the loss of Clyde Edwards and their Hurts too. The Bengals are up eight spots into the top 10. They're at 10 for the first time this season in our rankings. And Emilian, they were so, so impressive against the Ravens, especially that connection between Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Um, they were lights out. Um, and Cedric Uzoma was also huge for their offense. And the defense did really well to limit Lamar Jackson. We saw a big performance out of edge rusher Sam Hubbard. Yep, we're approaching the mid-season now, so barring any horrific injury or just, you know, sort of out-of-this-world leap of play from anyone else, I think it's pretty safe to say Jamar Chase is looking like the offensive rookie of the year. He's been incredible, but as you said, the defense was just as impressive to hold, you know, the Ravens to only that few points. I think with the way they've been playing lately, especially, they've just been all over the place on offense, it's so hard to predict them. Um, for that defensive line to really step up and contain Lamar Jackson... As well as um, Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews, it's no easy task. And yeah, everyone's doing their part on the Bengals. The offensive line has been playing really well the past few weeks. I don't think that it's too much of an issue right now. 
And I think it's something we can see like with the Jets. As you said, it's 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 a young squad and they were given time to grow together. Um we can see something like that with the Jets. Um but yeah, the Bengals overall really impressive. I really like what Joe Burrow is doing. Uh, sort of a comeback of the year player candidate if someone like Dak Prescott wasn't around. But just really great to see him playing in such a good offense and it's in such a, a really connected team. Yep, they were really impressive and there's no reason to believe they can't go on and win the AFC North. Now, um, the Bengals were, I believe, a Riff's choice for surprise um, playoff you know, contender. And, you know, I can't see a scenario now based on the way they're playing where they don't re- at least reach the playoffs, you know, in a wildcard capacity at least, um, you know, they're playing that well. Yeah, but let's keep in mind the Cardinals were 6-2 and two at one point last season and they fumbled hard in the second half. The Bengals' offense just needs to keep up that level of intensity, and Jamar Chase needs to keep making big plays. On to our team of the week now, and kicking it off at quarterback, we have the man we just talked about, Joe Burrow. At running back, Dennis Johnson for the Browns. He had over 150 yards total and a touchdown, filling in for Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Alvin Kamara, who was huge through the air against the Seahawks, is our other running back. Jamar Chase, who we just talked about, is our wide receiver one. Cooper Cup had over 100 yards and two touchdowns again for the Rams. He's our other receiver. CJ Uzoma had two touchdowns. He's our tight end. And our offensive line is Colton Miller, Joel Batonio, Jason Kelsey, Alex Kappa, and Michael Onwenu. As for our defense, we have Sam Hubbard and the rookie Aziz Ojulari as our two edge rushers. We talked about Hubbard's great performance. And Ojulari has another big game after a couple of big games as a rookie for the Giants so far. Our defensive tackles are DeForest Buckner and Jonathan Allen, and our linebackers are Deion Jones, Demario Davis, and Devondre Campbell. Our secondary, we have Xavier Jones, who had an important interception for the Colts against the Niners, and JC Jackson. And our safeties are John Johnson III and Kyle Duggar. Yep, great team overall. Uh, a few surprise picks. Like A lot of these players haven't been featured on our team of the week. So far, Joe Burrow, obviously one of them, and he's our first second-year player. Justin Herbert hasn't made the list yet, so great on him. Dearness Johnson, I mean, coming out of, you know, nowhere and just having his first NFL start, really great game for him. Kamara's been a little quiet this year. Um, he's made the list, and obviously Cooper Cup, he's sort of just made his staple as one of the best receivers in the league this season. On defense, I'm looking Deion Jones, Mario Davis, Devondre Campbell, they've all been pretty quiet so far this year, and it's great to see them step up. Uh, really solid team overall. Yep, it's great to see some lesser-known names, and it's good to see Xavier Rhodes playing really well after um, we saw a real drop-off at the end of his time at the Vikings. Now, if you want to see our NFC and AFC offensive and defensive players of the week, make sure you head to our Instagram, once again, at touch.down.under. Emilian, up to you now for your surprising performance of the week. Alrighty. Thanks, Jack. So, last week, um, my surprising performance of the week were Kirk Cousins and Bobby Okariki. Um... Once again, I think Kirk Cousins was on a bye this week, so, you know, not exactly a great performance by him either. Um, and Bobby Okariki, he didn't do too much against the board match from what I saw, um, but that's just how it goes. On offense this week, I've gone with the men I just talked about before, Dionis Johnson. Um, what a great performance by him. Obviously, a lot of question marks going into this Browns game without their starting quarterback and without Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. I think it was pretty obvious that Dionis Johnson was going to be the sort of the, 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 the piece that the game plan was going to focus around. And just from the opening drive, we saw how well he was playing. And he made it a really easy for that Browns offense to operate. He had 22 carries for 146 yards. He averaged six yards a carry. Six and a half yards a carry. That's really impressive for such a 
last minute player. And I just really like the guy. He's really humble. You saw in his post game interviews, you know how how happy he was to be given this opportunity. And I really hope he's incorporated more and more in the game plan. If he's not, I hope he goes to a team where he is because he definitely deserves an opportunity after that performance. On defense, I've gone with our um, AFC defensive player of the week. It's Sam Hubbard of the Cincinnati Bengals. I had a lot of um, you know, different players to highlight this week, but I've gone with Sam Hubbard just because he's been, you know, he hasn't been excellent as a Bengals defensive player. When you when you think about the Bengals defensive line in the past few years, you think of Geno Atkins, uh, Carl Lawson, and uh, Carlos Dunlap. Even Sam Hubbard's name really hasn't really come up, but this week he definitely made a, made a point that he is here. In the Bengals team, and he is a prominent part of that defensive line. Two and a half sacks, five tackles, two tackles lost, three QB hits, and a pass deflection. Um, he only had 1.5 sacks so far this season, so he came up big against a really elusive quarterback and a really tough uh, Ravens run game. I like the million, and yes, obviously we, we knew Dion Johnson was going to be the guy um, who was going to start for the Browns, but I think it was definitely surprising in the sense that you know just how well he played, especially against the Denver defense, it was really impressive, and um, it's pretty scary to think that once all those Browns running backs are healthy, they will have Chubb, Hunt, and Dennis Johnson if needed, and also the rookie Dimitri Felton out of the backfield as well. So um, a lot of good guys there. One of the stronger running back groups in the league, if not the strongest, along with maybe the, the Cowboys. So there's some good ones, Emilian. On to fantasy football now, and we just got our third straight win, um, 130, uh, sorry, 113 to 56 against. Fantasy football scoop. We got <laughs> scooped out of here. It was um very very um. I mean, our score was it was it was okay, but I think it, you know we got our win because um old mate scoop had a few blokes in the bye, which didn't help him out. Um, but we got the win. We're not going to complain. Um, our team preview now this week. We've got Tom Brady in his quarterback. He's at New Orleans as opposed to Aaron Rodgers, who is um at Arizona. So we've gone with Brady there. Henry and Daryl Henderson are running backs. DK Metcalf is a receiver, and so is T.Y. Hilton, who comes in for us with Henry Ruggs on the bye. Our tight end is Robert Tonyan with Mark Andrews on the bye, and our flexes are Calvin Ridley and Daryl Williams. Our matchup, Emilian, this week is against the fantasy football Spartan, and they have Matthew Stafford, Aaron Jones, Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin, Amari Cooper, Tyler Higby, Elon Mitchell, and Tyler Boyd. So I feel like it's fair to say that we're going to have a pretty tough task on our hands. They've got a pretty strong side, but I think, you know, with guys like Brady and Henry, we give ourselves every chance of winning again. Yeah, last week, obviously, we had one of the easiest matchups possible with all the injuries and buyers fantasy football school was facing. This week, though, Matthew Stafford in Houston, I think he's set for a massive game again. Uh, you see how well he's been playing. Cooper Cup doesn't seem to be stopping anytime soon. Um, Aaron Jones in Arizona, I think he's going to be a very prominent point of the Packers' offense without um, Devontae Adam or Alan Lazard playing. I think that, you know, Aaron Jones, if he keeps running well and if the Packers get to an early lead, he's going to be featured a lot more as the game goes on. Terry McLaurin in Denver, that's an interesting one considering when they've got uh, Patrick Sertan over there at cornerback as well as Ronald Darby. You think, you'd think that Terry McLaurin, he's been playing well, right? you think he'd get a lot of targets, a lot of receptions, but that Broncos defense does have some tricks up its sleeve. If he can pressure Heineke enough to force uh, turnovers and just make him uncomfortable, um, Terry McLaurin may be a non-factor in this game. Overall, very favorable matchup. I think it's very even. Um, we'll see how we go. I think could go either way. Yeah, you look at Garcek as well. Um, Mario Cooper and Tyler Higby, I think we'll be looking at lips of their matchups as well. Um, so... Yeah, we will definitely have a tough task on our hands. I think it'll be close, but hopefully we can make it four in a row. 
Head-to-head -head season tipping a million. If you guys want to see our full tips, again, head to touchdown, sorry, touch.down.under on Instagram. See all of it there. Um, you got your tip of Tennessee correct against the mine, which was obviously the Chiefs. That was our only point of difference this week. So you increase your lead from three to four, sitting at 76 and 33 to my 72 and 37. It's a pretty commanding lead, Amelia. It would be a real shame to see you choke from here on in. Yeah, it can't happen, Jack. I'm too good at this. So I'm sorry, your money is mine. <laughs> it may just be. But on to Rising Rookies now. And um, we um, were highlighting Alex Leatherwood, Devontae Smith, and Paulson Adebo heading to this week. And let's see how they went. Leatherwood was pretty good for the Raiders after I think he struggled for a fair portion of this year. The Raiders allowed zero sacks and were very efficient on the ground. They ran for 119 yards. Devonis Smith was okay. He had five receptions for 61 yards. And Paulson Debo was he did he played his role. Um, four tackles, a tackle for loss, with the Saints allowing just 10 points and just 167 yards through the air. Yep, um, keep in mind, some of the, a lot of those 167 yards through the air was just off that one massive DK play early on in the game. So the Saints defense played really well throughout the game. Obviously, Geno Smith isn't that guy in Seattle, but it's still commendable for the Saints defense to play in a hostile environment and keep you know the Seahawks offense in check. So really well done by Paulson Debo, um, as well as the other two rookies of, those, of last week. Now, on to our rookies of the week who performed the best. And obviously, we need to start with Jamar Chase once again, who had eight receptions for 201 yards and a touchdown. He was huge. We talked about him. He is just, you know, him and Burry is one of the best deep ball connections in the league. And they are so, so young. So it looks like, you know, the Bengals made the right choice with Jamar Chase, even after all that speculation about, you know, needing to draft an offensive lineman. You know, Burrows kept upright and, um, you know, it's been really great. It's paid off for them so far, and I don't think their fans would have wanted anything else. Aziz Ojolari, we talked about him. He's in our team of the week. He had 2.5 sacks, five tackles, three tackles for loss, and four QB hits. He had a huge game for the Giants. Um, he's had a number of pretty good games as a rookie, and I think he's making his own case for Defensive Rookie of the Year. And also Kyle Pitts, seven receptions and 163 yards. Um, he was really good, and um, you know, again, he he's kind of after a pretty slow start of the season. He's really you know come on straight away um, for the Falcons and that Ryan. Yeah, I saw this um stat. It was crazy. Kyle Pitts hasn't dropped a pass since some point in the twenty nineteen college football season. I think that's really impressive, and it's not like you know he's not getting targets right. He's getting targeted, and you saw one of his catches against the Dolphins. It was really it was a deep pass, and he sort of just reached his arm out while holding off um, the cornerback. It was just a really athletic play and really great performance by him. I'm, obviously, he went off to a slow start. We were expecting him to be exploded from the get-go, but he's definitely filling in for the lack of you know production from Russell Gage on that Falcons offense. That was such a huge catch. It wasn't a million. I mean, like, he's, he's got the skills of a wide receiver, but, he, but he, he reminds me of Calvin Johnson. He's so big, but he's just so elusive and speedy as well. So... Um, and he's obviously it's only his first year, so he's got a really, really bright future. Now, our rookies that we're previewing for week six um, in the spotlight this week, starting with Rondell Moore, the receiver against Green Bay. Obviously, you know, guys like Jay Alexander and uh, Eric Stokes of the Packers will be looking mostly at guys like DeAndre Hopkins, um, Christian Kirk, and AJ Green, which leaves a guy like Rondell Moore maybe um, finding some more targets than usual this week. Um, and so he is one to watch. Amon Rasen Brown, 
the receiver for the Lions is coming up against the Eagles at home. We've talked, we've talked in weeks past about the lack of offensive options for the Lions and him, along with Cliff Raymond and TJ Hawkinson, are arguably um, the Lions' you know, best targets right now. So he may have a good game against the Eagles. I honestly do think this may be the week that the Lions could get their first win. And I feel like at home against the Eagles defense, they may be able to put up some points. And finally, Khalil Herbert, the best running back, probably a bit late to this one. Sorry, a bit late to the party on this one because Herbert has had a few games, a few big games already. Um, he topped, he was the first running back this season to crack 100 yards rushing against the Buccaneers defense, which is really, really impressive considering it was a blowout loss and you would have thought they'd be passing more than running. But he comes up against the 49ers this week and he should have another big game. Yeah, I think that um, the fact that he, he ran for so many yards despite being behind sort of questions of play calling over there in Chicago. But overall, Khalil Herbert has been great this season from what he's played. I think that the Bears running back room is really great when you look at it. You've got obviously David Montgomery, Damian Williams, and now Khalil Herbert who's showing a lot of promise in great games. They're three very capable running backs. So it's a nice little rotation there, similar to what the Browns have. Um, and so with that, Trey Cohen, who's still out as well. Sure. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, and then going back to Rondell Moore, um, he obviously had a great game in week two. He hasn't quite lived up there, but he's taken some snaps in the backfield. So it's good to see him being used as sort of like a Swiss Army Knife type player, sort of like Cordaro Patterson in a way. Um, and obviously, as you said, with DeAndre Hopkins and Christian Kirk slash AJ Green being occupied by Eric Stokes and Jared Alexander, it leaves a lot more room for Calamari to utilize Rondell Moore. And on Ross St. Brown, you pretty much said it, um, opportunity for him against the Eagles defensive backfield, which isn't the defensive backs, which aren't that great. So, um, yeah, I'm looking for great performances from all three of these players. That's right. We will be pre uh, sorry, reviewing their performances next, this time next week. Now, onto multi-madness. We couldn't get back-to-back uh, -back wins this week, unfortunately, but we don't want to push our luck too much a million, but we're going to go ahead with our line multi once again this week starting with Green Bay plus 7.5 at Arizona. I feel like this was a, one, a really good value pick for us. I really think this could be the week where the Cardinals lose their first game. Um, everyone's saying, oh, you know, Devonta Adams is out, Alan Lazard's on the COVID list, um, you know, they've got no options. But Aaron Jones, like you said, I think he will feature prominently and you can't ignore the deep connection between Rogers and Marcus Valdez scantling And they've also got Robert Tonyan who's coming on as a nice target as well. So. I feel like Green Bay at plus 7.5 is almost a lock. I don't think this will be more than a touchdown game either way. So this should be pretty safe one for us. Yeah, um, obviously Cardinals and Packers are no strangers to putting on a show in history. They've had some great games. But yeah, when you look at Marquez Valdez-Scanling, he's obviously a great deep as you said. Let's just hope he doesn't do one of his infamous drops in crucial moments um, and piss Aaron Rodgers off. But yeah, Aaron Rodgers, I can't see him losing by more than a touchdown in this game. Um, if they do lose, it'll be a very close game. Our second leg is Chicago plus 6.5 at home against the 49ers. I think the Bears are destined for a bounce back game. The pressure is really on in Chicago for Matt Nagy. And um, the Bears will be hitting the ground running, especially with the running game back at home, which they do tend to do very well. I think Khalil Herbert, like I said, is in for a big game. The 49ers defense has been average. They've been pretty poor these last few weeks as a whole, um, you know, especially with the drop load on offense. So I do think plus 6.5 is, you know, definitely very manageable for the Bears. And I do think we see a bounce back performance from them. Yeah, not to mention the quarterback issues over there in San Francisco. We don't know who's starting, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance. If it's Trey Lance, pretty fun matchup, considering it's two rookie quarterbacks where the 49ers could have had fields um, at the number three overall pick. So we'll see how that goes. But I do favor the Bears in this matchup. 
Um, our third leg is Cleveland minus 1.5 at home against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think the Steelers and Roethlisberger will really struggle in Cleveland this week. I think minus 1.5 is pretty easy. I do think the Browns will win by at least three points in this one. Um, and I do think the Steelers will struggle. Yep, I'm with you there. Our second last leg, the LA Rams, minus 8.5 at Houston. We took the Rams minus 10.5 at home against Detroit, but I think the whole thing with um, you know the two quarterbacks facing up against the 14s might have kind of made it closer. Um, but I think minus 8.5 this time is you know really, um, really yeah. yeah exactly um, at Houston. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not much to say. I do think this is a pretty safe leg. Yeah, let's not forget David Mills, rookie quarterback facing Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd. Um, obviously, Brandon Cook's going to be guarded by Jalen Ramsey. Really tough matchup for the Texans, but Rams, I think this is kind of one of their sort of back back into form statement wins where they win by like 20 plus points. Minus 8.5 should be good enough. Yeah, Davis Mills will certainly struggle. On to our last leg now, Cincinnati minus 6.5 at the New York Jets. We talked about Zach Wilson's injury. Um, it looks like Mike White is in line to start for the Jets, and that does not bode well, especially coming up against a Bengals defense who we just talked about has was really impressive against the Ravens. I don't think they're letting up against a very poor offense in New York. Um, minus 6.5, I think it's pretty easy as well. I do think this will be a multi-touchdown win for Cincinnati. It'll be an absolute gut to the punch to all Bengals fans if they manage to beat the Ravens one week and lose to the Jets the week after. Bills went gut to the punch. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, the Bengals definitely should win this game by at least a touchdown. Let's make it happen, please, Cincinnati. They are five legs. Hopefully we can get back to winning ways this week. Now, a million, it's onto my real overreaction. Alrighty, thanks, Jack. So, as usual, four statements for you. Let's kick it off with the Titans will be fighting for the number one seed in the AFC. The number one seed, I do not think so. I think this is an overreaction, Emilian. Uh, the Titans, uh, I'm not so sure. Obviously, they were really good defensively against the Chiefs this week, but I don't think they are overall a great defensive team. Um, it's all about the offense in Tennessee, and um, I think you know the better defenses will you know be able to contain both Henry and the pass game at least to some extent. Obviously, the Chiefs are not a team to do that, so I don't really think that you know this game was a real testament to their offense or defense. But I I, I do think teams like the Ravens, um, you know the Chargers, even the Bengals, the and the Bills will be among the teams. Um, competing for the, a the number one seed in the AFC as opposed to the Titans. Yep, absolutely. Um, but it's also worth mentioning that if it comes to it at the end of the season and the Bills and Chiefs have the same record as the Titans, the Titans did beat them, so they have a head-to-head -head record against them. Um, so obviously, it's it's a long ways away, and obviously, I, I, I agree with you. I don't think the Titans are really going to be in that position to be fourteen and three, or hell, even fifteen and two. But it's good to know that they have those games under the belt, and they won the ones they, that matter the most early on in the season. Second statement for you. Cooper Cup is a top three wide receiver. He's top three. Um, I'll go overreaction here. Um, I think that I think Cooper Cup, obviously he's a really good receiver, but I think the offense, you know, schemed up by Sean McVay and you know the improved quarterback play in Los Angeles is more of the reason why Cooper Cup is you know being able to kind of dominate. Obviously. Robert Woods is no slouch either, but I do think um, 
if couples paired with a, another real premier or receiver, I don't think his stats would be that great um, as, as compared to what they are now. Obviously, also with Higby at tight end, I do feel like they're all just, you know, above average slash good names. There aren't really anyone great there, so he gets his chance to shine um, there. But I do think top, I think top 10, 100%, but top three is a stretch in my mind. Um, you know, my mind goes straight to guys like, um, you know, Devontae Adams, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, Mike Evans, guys like that are all um, in front of him still, I do think. Fair enough. It's just weird to see he's such a unique sort of wide receiver. He's not particularly tall. He's not particularly big. And yet he always finds himself open in some great route running. And, you know, he's got really steady hands. Like a lot of people I mentioned, he can make any catch, to be honest. He's really athletic. Um, he can make some great plays. And it's just weird to see him so open so many of the times. You wonder how he's doing it. Um, how he just slips through like all these defensive plays and just managed to find himself deep open. Um, really great season by him so far. I would like him to slow down a bit, especially against my Seahawks when they come, um, when we come to LA. Now, the third statement for you: the Saints will make the playoffs. Um, I'll go with real here. Um, I do think they will be able to squeeze in a um, wildcard spot. I think the NFC has been, you know, pretty weak to start the season. And for the most part, um, you know, I don't, you know, I really don't think we're going to see a playoff team out of the NFC East other than the Cowboys. Um, I think we'll see two teams from the NFC West, you know, with the 49ers and Seahawks both underperforming severely. Um, same with the NFC North. I think we may see one other team in the NFC North potentially. Um, and then you've got the Saints. So I do think the Saints are in a box. I, I don't think they're going to see South, obviously, but I do think they're in the box seat for a wildcard spot. Yeah, absolutely. They're and true right now. Things are looking decent. Um, yeah, their defense has been playing well, and their offense is doing what it has to do to win games. As you said, NFC North, I think Packers are a lock for the playoffs, obviously, and I think the Bears or Vikings will snag another wildcard spot. I think it'll be all up to whether Jameis Winston is able to stand up in the biggest moments. Obviously, it's, it's, it's all good enough to throw for like, you know, 150 yards each week and, you know, give it all to Kamara on the ground or through the air. But I feel like, you know, the better defences will be able to lock in on Kamara and then it's going to be really down to these lesser-known receivers for the Saints because with, with Michael Thomas still out, there isn't a whole lot else to go to, go to for Jameis Winston. And, um, yeah, against really good defences, it's going to be more of a test then and um, especially later in the season. Yep, you are. They're playing the they're playing the Bucks this week. I definitely look to the weakened secondary of them for James Winston to start exposing it because if he keeps going to Kamara, I think the Bucks front seven is more than capable to stop him in his tracks. All right, last set uh, last statement for you in your real reaction. Derek Henry should be the front runner for MVP. Yeah, that's that's real. Um, I do think he should be the front runner um, if he's not already. I do think right now you've got to look at guys like. Um, Colin Murray, um, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, but, you know, Derek Henry deserved to be up there with his names 100%. You know, obviously, he wasn't super efficient on the ground this week, as we've seen in the previous month or so, but he is just such a dominant guy that, you know, it's almost like if he doesn't dominate each and every week, you're kind of disappointed. You know, that's how high the expectations are for him, so yeah, he definitely should be a front-run for MVP. Yeah, absolutely. When we look at um, Tab to see what markets are open for, you know, either a same-game multi or just our single stat multis. Derek Henry's over-under is over is always at least 110 right now. It's insane. Um, and he and he keeps going over it. It's, it's actually pretty incredible. Obviously, this week was 
um, an anomaly, but you just you don't see that from any, any running back. And this is very similar to what Adrian Peterson brought in 2012. And obviously, MVP is a QB award now, but I don't think any quarterback, barring Tom Brady, has really excelled so far this season, has been consistent throughout the first seven weeks like Derrick Henry has. Yeah, like you said, there's just no other running back right now who gets those kinds of expectations placed on them. Um, you know, he's just so highly regarded that um, he, just, he just has to be in the running come into the season um, for the award. Yep, absolutely. That's it for a real overreaction. Back to you for the final segment of the podcast. That's right, and that is our game of the week. Now, obviously, last week we chose the Titans versus the Chiefs, and once again, we, we um, you know, flopped with our decision there with the uh, Titans winning 27-3. to However, this week, I do think, um, like I mentioned earlier, I do think this game will be, you know, within a touchdown either way. Um, the Cardinals versus the Packers. As usual, we've got our four things we're going to run through for this matchup, and you're going to start us off with the offensive million. Alrighty. Now, if the Packers had all their players, this would be a lot tougher. Um, obviously, without Devontae Adams and Adam Lazard's, Aaron Rodgers' um, options are very limited. That's why I'm going with the Cardinals right now. Uh, Zach Ertz just came in the past week into that system and had a good game uh, for them, so I think that they're just firing on all cylinders on offense. It's hard to t- hard to beat them. So many weapons. Um, Chase Edmonds and James Conner are both playing really well in the backfield, um, fill, fulfilling their roles. It's just really hard to keep that balanced offense uh, off the field. So, yeah, all power to them. Uh, they've got better offense. Defense. I think um, this has got to be the Cardinals. Even though the Packers' defense has impressed me over the last fortnight, the Packers' defense has allowed um, just 24 points combined over the last two weeks against the Bears and Washington, and so I do feel like there has to be a conversation there as to, you know, them maybe being a better defense, but I do think the Cardinals do have a better defense. Um, Chandler Jones and J.J. White are there. Um, the secondary is, you know, really strong, obviously allowing just five points to um, the Cardinals last week, and two of them was a safety. So, um, you know, they've got a really strong defense, and um, it's just a great compliment for that offense. So I do think I'm going to give the nod to Arizona here. As for coaching... This one's tough, but I, I do think um, Cliff Kingsbury is the better coach here. Matt LaFleur is, you know, I, I struggle to call him a good coach because of, you know, the things he has at his disposal. You know, he's got guys like Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, um, and he's an offensive coach, you know? Like, he, he was gift-wrapped, gift you know, Aaron Rodgers when he came to coach the Packers. So, I don't know how good of a coach he really is. Um, obviously, you know, he can design some nice offensive plays, but when you've got Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones and Devonta Adams, like, it's hard to fail, you know? So, I, I'm not ready to call him a really premier coach. As with Kingsbury, he's had to work with a much younger quarterback, and he, he's schemed up this really great area offense he's brought in from college. Um, um, and so, I'm going to go with the Cardinals here once again. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder how long... Well, next season, if Matt LaFleur still is the head coach in Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers isn't there... Say they get an average quarterback. Not necessarily a great one, but not necessarily a bad one. I wonder how well that quarterback's going to do in that full system. Well, I think it's going to be Jordan Love, and I don't really um, have much faith in him at all. So, I mean, I'm going to be very interested to see just how well Matt LaFleur goes with Jordan Love. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I kind of forgot Jordan Love exists. So yeah, he's been that irrelevant since being drafted. <laughs> well, he doesn't have much of an opportunity to start with Aaron Rodgers there. At Which, once one. again, questions there pick to even pick him in the first place. But anyway... Um, alrighty, <laughs> I've got momentum here, and this one's a lot tougher than you think. Obviously, the obvious choice would be the Cardinals. Obviously, they're 7-0. Um, but the Packers, they got humiliated in Week 1 against the Saints, right? 
and since then they've been undefeated. And I think that takes a lot of, you know, integrity and just like a really good bounce back ability to come off such humiliating loss and just destroy opponents left and right um, for the next six weeks. So for momentum, I am going to stick with the Cardinals simply because they are 7-0. It's really impressive to be undefeated for this long. They beat teams like the Rams, which is just as impressive. But all credit to the Packers, they've been playing really well. This is a very good matchup to see who really is on top of the NFC at the moment. Yeah, both teams certainly come with a lot of momentum. And yeah, I love your point about the Packers. As much as I dislike them, it's really tough to come up with such a massive blowout and just win, you know, bang, 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 game after game. So I agree. As for Game Breaches Million, what do you think? I think this one's going to be pretty high scoring, but I'm going to go with a four point game, 30 to 26 for the Cardinals. I agree. I think it'll be reasonably high scoring. I'm going to go with 30 to 27 for the Packers. I feel like this is the week that the Cardinals um, are in the L column. Yeah, and if it isn't the week that the um, Cardinals lose, they'll be 8 0. And when you look at their schedule, they'll have the 49ers on the road after that. You'd think they'd win that one. Then they've got the Panthers at home. That's another favorable matchup. Seahawks on the road. They're in shambles right now. You could definitely see this Cardinals team being like 11-0 or 12-0 before they lose their first game. And I think that one's going to be against the Rams on the 14th of December in primetime. That's definitely a great point. And we shall see. But that is our episode this week, Emilian. If you want to see more of our content, some of our non-podcast content, such as our full power rankings, our plays of the week, and our head-to-head tipping, once again, make sure you head to our Instagram. It is at touch.down.under. But if you want to hear um, the full episodes of our podcast, make sure you head to either Spotify or Apple Podcasts at Touchdown Under to hear them there. Thank you guys once again for listening to our first episode back together in the same room, Million. We will see you guys next week.